When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely, Gavin, and we've had our first big shock in the championship in 2013. Derek Trainer and the London Gold doing enough to divert the ball over the crossbar. And a dramatic afternoon in Wyslip as well. And suddenly, 15 minutes in, London were six ahead. And London through to the Connacht semi-finals. They beat Sligo 112 to 14 points. And scenes of unbound joy around Wyslip as London knocked out the eighth penalty. It's their first provincial win in 36 years. My name is Robert Mulhern. I'm working as a, a journalist in London. Of course, tomorrow night is a really big night for London GAA. They're back in Ireland. They're playing in the Connacht Championship against Leitrim. The last time they played Leitrim in the Connacht Championship in Ireland was in 1977. So it's a really big deal. There's a lot of talk about it with the Irish community in London. But I guess to understand a small part of the, the London GAA story, I guess it's, it's places like this. We're outside a pub called The Boot at the back of King's Cross in London and there's a bit of a GAA shrine down the back of the pub. Packy Hughes is the owner. He's not actually here today because he's already left to go back, but... You can see he's been, over the years, he's been collecting all the memorabilia. This blue seat is screwed into the ground here and screwed into a wall, an orange wall beside a, a rad. Unless you knew it was here, you'd probably walk by it, but if you did come over to take a closer look, you can, you can see that the inscription on the wall says it, it's an old seat from the Ard Corley box in the old Hogan stand in Crow Park. And I guess Packy Hughes would say himself that legend has it that Eamon de Valera might have parked his backside in it at one stage or another. It's something he's very proud of. And the backstory to that chair ending up here is that when Pro Park was being demolished, there was a guy who played with St Brendan's, who were the team associated with this pub in the boot in London, called Sean Woods, who was actually working on the demolition. So Packy gives Sean Woods a ring and says, Sean, can you get me a souvenir out of Crow Park? Just something small I can bring back to London, have it in the pub. So Sean Woods says, no problem, I'll meet you outside Crow Park such and such a time Packy Hughes drove down in the car Sean says yeah jump out pop the boot at the back of the car and pull this seat out of the back of the, the back of the car and Packy Hughes is saying like jeez when I asked you to get me something I didn't think you were going to pull an, a seat out of the yard Carly so he'd lucky enough he had the car over with him so he could get it back over to London there it is now screwed into the ground kind of two streets off one of the busiest intersections in Europe I guess you know I think often when emigration is reported on, there's sometimes this, you know, it's always, do you miss your mammy back in Ireland style of reporting? Whereas people in London who've been involved in Gaelic games for many years would feel that sometimes that's a bit patronising. They've always endeavoured to kind of be bigger or be better than they are. Some of this latest success that London are experiencing can be attributed to emigration. Probably not all of it, but it is definitely a factor. 
some of the guys who played against Sligo, one in particular, Porrick McGoldrick, he's actually from Sligo. But it's since it's been quoted since the same well, I'm a London man now. So, I mean, that was an unusual experience for him to play against his own county. Well, it's unusual, it's not unheard of him. One of the most famous stories in London lore is a hurler from Limerick called Jerry Ray. Jerry's from a small parish called Effin in Limerick. He left for London and started playing hurling over here. And then significantly in 1973, London travelled back to play Limerick in the semi-final in Ennis. And of course, Jerry was travelling back to play his own county. And not only that, but his own brother was playing for Limerick, Ned Ray. Well, nobody ever thought it happened, like, you know, because we were playing golf and nobody gave us a chance, like, you know. People were, were asking your father, who, who is he going to be cheering for, you know? Yeah, but they, 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 were, he, they interviewed my father, Jim McLeod, and they said, who would you be shouting for? He, so he said, he two sons were for two different counties, so two, and his room didn't make any difference to him, like, you know, so he'd be shouting for me, like he said, he'd give the London crowd a bit of home support, like, you know, so that didn't go down very well with the locals at home, like, you know, but I suppose it was all a bit of a crack anyway at the time, like, you know. But uh, with the bad preparations in for the semi-final, you know, because when we got to London Airport, the, they were on strike, and when we got to Dublin, the, the coach driver was drunk. And so when we stayed, in, we stayed in Dublin that night, you know, like, and when we got down next morning, there was, there was trees knocked everywhere on the road. Like, but we got through one year, like, and we got down to us, like, and we were in the hotel, and they could look out, like, in the stream, the cars coming in, like, you know, you... You couldn't believe it, really, like, you know, that you were involved in a game like this, like, you know, so... It was a great excitement, though, it was very good, like, you know. It was great for me to play against them as well, like, you know, because I didn't very often you get a chance to play in the North Island, you finally get your own county. I know it probably have been better if I was playing with them, but London was my adopted county inside, so I chose to play with them, like, you know. Of course, lots of people forget, I guess, when they're referring to London, that London are actually on the record for winning an All-Ireland. A great picture here, black and white picture of the London All-Ireland Senior Hurling Champions in 1901, Lee McCarthy winners and there's other memorabilia of course, Packy himself, the guy who owns the pub, he's Monaghan man, he's from Emmyvale, but he's been involved in London for years, he was actually involved in 1977 the last time London beat Leitrim in the Connacht Championship the next person I want you to listen to is uh, a guy, Paul Kearney. He was corner forward on the London team that went back and beat Leitrim in Carrick-on-Shannon in 1977. Well, Kevin Maguire was as strong as an ox. Kevin was Kildare. Jerry Mann, he was Kerry, oh, one of the best midfielders London ever seen. Brian Greenaway, I think he was Kildare as well. He was a famous kick-out. He'd drive it out, let's say, past the midfield easy. Norm McCarthy, I think it was on the Mio panel as well. Very good player. I said to my friends in the local uh, pub, I said, I'm down in Carrick tomorrow playing against Leedstrom. They looked at me sort of and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, as if to say that's, that's the end of your story anyway. I think it was a very fine day because the ball was as dry as snuff anyway. And uh, I think our type of game didn't suit Leedstrom at all because we were catching kick. It wasn't no passing at all. It was just pass with long ball, not punching or kicking, it was just long kicking and direct, very direct football, which I think stood to the, the least and most couldn't understand it at all. So the next time I went home then on holidays, I was all shaking hands with me and how well they done, like, you know what I mean? But it was unbelievable, it was just uh, off the record that London team would ever beat anyone, you know what I mean? 
which is unfortunately leads from that was I think they're still getting over it actually. I guess it was interesting how players found their way to clubs over here because obviously now if a player is leaving Ireland it's known about uh, well in advance and then with Twitter and Facebook back in the 70s there still was like this amazing network on the ground of it was like spotters you know because there was Irish people driving buses working in Heathrow Airport different areas of London a good player could be spotted by somebody and the word would spread very quick around the city that you know such and such was over from Galway he'd been seen in London and as soon as word was out to top clubs maybe St Gabriel's Brian Baru and the Hurling they'd be all out to try and get this guy you know there's all sorts of legendary stories about players being entertained in like Stringfellows nightclub and being brought on nights out in order to try and get their name to sign up for the clubs. There was a fellow from Kilmallock, Frank Brown was his name, and he was playing for Butter Pierces, and uh, he heard that was over. Like, and I stopped playing with the Marys when I came over first. Like, they were a junior club, so he came up to the pub one night, and, he, and the Marys fellas knew what he was up, what he was coming up for. Like, you know, they said, no, they, he, he was in the wrong pub, like, and all that, like, no. And he said, I'm just coming up to get that fellow. He said, he's wasting his time playing junior hurling, like, you know. So he got me drunk, and, you know, and they made me sign a bit of paper, and, you know, I think it's a fag box or something, but they said, when I signed it, they said that was it, like, there was no going back. So I, I joined him, and, you know, and I never looked back in after that, really, like, you know, I had a great time with him, like, you know. There is a phenomenon here of men playing, like, well into their later years, and the GA was very much an expression of their identity. It's something that they try and hold on to for as long as they can. You can just have a listen with Jerry talking about his own career. I only played my last game last year now, like, you know. So I doubt if I'll get a game now this year with all the young fellas coming around and things like that. But you never know. What age do you know? Well, I'd be 65 in April. So a couple of more years left of me, I suppose. What position did you play then? I played the full-back, and I'd play forward as well now and again. Like, you know, I'd go up in the forwards if we were down now, but I'd go up in the forwards and maybe get a couple of goals and, you know. What was the mobile phone story? Well, there was a friend of mine, uh, Mick Carroll, he used to be my foreman at work, like, you know, and then one Saturday evening he rang me up and he said, uh, where are you? I said, I said I'm, uh, I'm playing here, I'm playing the match. I said, hang on a minute. I said, I'll turn the phone into the net. And I went out and I cut the ball and I cleared it. So he said to me, where, where did you go? Oh, I said, the ball just came in. I said, I had to clear it out to the field. I said, you know, oh, you mean? He said, I said, I'm in goal here. I said, I'm playing a match. Oh, for sake, he said, I better hang up. <laughs> the time we played in now, um, I don't know whether it was the minor or the actual Irish batch, but Dublin were playing Galway in the All-Ireland replay. I remember going back in talking out and I seen the Dublin boys and the Lord God, the way they were getting rubbed and looked after, I thought this must be brilliant when you turn professional and you, you get to the top of your career. Bobby Doyle was getting rubbed up and there was about, I think there was about three around him getting his body ready for this match. It was absolute, I thought it was, that really was an eye-opener for me how you'd want to get up to the top. I'm afraid we, didn't, we never got that far. And I guess going back to Ireland to represent what is effectively your adopted county is a unique experience for the players that are going to go back there. But then also it's an opportunity to go back and shine. I guess a lot of these guys, they would have had ambitions to achieve in Gaelic games at home probably unrealised. Maybe they thought they missed that opportunity because they had to emigrate, but now they're afforded this opportunity to go back and, and do something significant and to beat Leitrim tomorrow night 
I guess it would bring great joy to a lot of people who've put a lot of work in in London and GA. Isn't that fantastic? And London now play Leitrim in the first Connacht semi-final on the 23rd of June in Carrick and Shannon. And the manager, Paul Coggins, has been speaking about his squad. You seem confident. I am confident. It's a war. We're ready to go there. We've got an experienced bunch of players who've been together for a few years and we've added a few players too. We've got a great subs bench. We can come in and make 